Hello, and welcome to Heart of the Faithful Ministries podcast, where we are learning to guard our hearts for everything we do comes from it. This is your host, Ron Howard, and today's guest is Ryan Green. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? Hello, Ron. I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you on. Uh, I'm looking here and it says you're a graduate of Morehouse College and Luther Rice College and Seminary. And yeah, that is my alma mater also with, with Luther Rice, love Luther Rice. And Uh we also have here that you are from originally from Shaker Heights, Ohio. Yes. Yes. Suburb of Cleveland. Originally, my family is also from Ohio, from Toledo, so Toledo, yes, it was a good place to grow up. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, you've been in ministry, involved in ministry at least since two thousand and two. Yeah, since, oh. since two thousand and two, since I was a freshman in high school. Wow. Yeah. And 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 I'm gonna go ahead and ask, how has twenty twenty been for you? Um, for me personally, twenty twenty was a um, it was a it was a year of achievement for me. A lot of milestones took place in my life. I was able to, as we mentioned, I, I, I graduated Luther Rice with my first master's degree, um, a Master of Arts in Christian Studies that I had been working on since uh, 2015, and that came to fruition. So I was able to complete that successfully um, in 2020, and um, just a lot of things of uh, uh, increasing in ministry and. And um, being a part of a lot of different ministry events, even in the midst of the pandemic with technology such as podcasts and Zoom and uh, virtual conferences. So I still was able to um, engage in discipleship and, and in ministry, even in the midst of, um, you know, not having our, our regular normal type of living. Um, but uh, so personally, for me, it was great. Um, I would say many of us can attest to the fact that it was very difficult to see so many deaths and um, even in, in, in ministry, I've never have, uh, if I, if I watch another live stream of a home going of a renowned minister or preacher or somebody that I'm familiar with, uh, it's just, I mean, it seemed like it was almost every week that I was doing that. And so that was, that was very negative um, and a little bit of very, very disheartening and tragic. With so many well-known uh, people in ministry that I maybe indirectly or directly connected with passing, you know, just suddenly. It, it has mm-hmm. been a very rough year as far as the the passing of of loved ones and and people that we have esteemed. And yeah, yes, it, it has been a very difficult time. But navigating it through all of this, trying to push through and you know, find the, the light at the end of the tunnel, if you would, with, with all of this, hoping that, that we can get out of this with the vaccines and everything. Cause at the time of the podcast, we, we, there are vaccines that are being given out, but it, at the time of this podcast recording, it is just for those who are serving in the medical field or the elderly. Right. So, so for us, um, I know for me as an essential worker and as uh, you as a minister and someone who is supposed to be around and with the public and actually in the eyes of the public and dealing with public mm-hmm. regularly, hopefully we can get around to that soon so that we can be yes. back in right. action closer to people because this whole 
six foot across from the pews and over the live stream is it's it just doesn't have the same feel as it does you know with a regular congregation meeting together that's right that's right okay so you've been in ministry we have talked about that let me ask you a question before mm-hmm. you get into ministry, you have to do one thing, and that is know who you're ministering for. So with that, That's right. how did you come to know Christ? Well, I came to know Christ at the age of 14, and I remember it vividly. It was, it was the summer in between my 8th and ninth grade years. So right after I finished middle school and right before I started high school, um, the Lord just showed me, and uh, in, in make a, a really a long story short, the Lord showed me myself apart from him, and that I was in total despair um, and completely doomed without him. <laughs> and um, it, it drew me to himself as the, he presented himself truly as a Savior. And I think you really don't, you can't appreciate Jesus as a Savior if you're not fully aware of what he has saved you from. And I came fully well, I don't want to say fully aware, but I became very aware of my condition as a sinner and, uh, you know, how I completely left to myself. I'm a complete wreck destined for hell. And the only way that I could be saved would be to come to him and give my, I wouldn't say give my life to him, but receive life from him because I was dead, as the scripture says in transgressions and sins, but in his mercy and love, he drew me to himself, and granted me his very own life. And that was at the age of 14. That is a very young age to give your life to Christ like mm-hmm. that. That is that, right. that is great news because of the fact that you've had life for that long. So let me ask, Ryan, what is it that caused you to even look at Christ? Were there influences in your life like someone or or something that may have sparked that interest? Well, a lot of it came through um, certain yearnings that I had. Um, I was raised by my grandparents, and they both passed away in the same week in 1999. And so, you know, growing up as the only child being raised by my grandparents, I went through a you know particular season of life where I didn't, you know, 13 years of age at that time, um, didn't know who was going to take care of me, or, you know, of course, I had family and everything, but when you've been, um, the, the people that all of, all of what you have known just all of a sudden dies, um, you know, you kind of, you feel like almost like you're orphaned, even though you're in the midst of family and care, and I had an aunt and um, cousins that took me in, and, and um but there were still there were still voids and insecurities there because of the lack of my um, my grandparents being in my life, and so I was yearning for love and affection and and um, protection and, and just that that sense of um, wholeness. And I found that in Jesus, and Jesus revealed Himself to me as being who I was, He who, He for whom I was yearning. And when he drew me to himself, I became, I, I started that life and journey of being satisfied in him. You know, that is, um, I find it interesting that through the uncertainty, that time where there was a void, that there was a, a time where you didn't know what was going to happen, that that was the, the greatest time for you to find the one who was going to give you certainty. That is absolutely right. amazing. So with that, you were called into the ministry after that. Mm-hmm. Now, about when did you feel that you were called? 
Well, actually, it was, I wouldn't say it was simultaneously, but it was very, it was that same summer, the same summer that I was born again. Um, some people, their testimonies are different as how they perceive receiving the call. Um, some, for some people, it may be some type of sensational or supernatural experience that they had. And I've also read where, you know, in my case, it was an actual desire, and God speaks through desires. And so I had this, a few months after I became born again, I had the strong desire to teach the Word and teach the Scriptures, because that was the first thing. I didn't have much of a church background, and when I first became born again, I uh, um, watched everything, all the Christian television I could get a hold of, uh, whatever books that my aunt, who was a believer, um, that she had, uh, whatever was available to me to feed my spirit as a, as a believer, as a new uh, child of God in Christ. That's what I did. And as I began to do that and grow very swiftly in the Word, um, I had a, a desire to teach as well and, um, and began to discover through opportunities as I connected with my local church, uh, opportunities were, that opened up to me and were given to me to teach uh, youth Bible study and different things and the tremendous uh, fruit that was born out of those experiences. Uh, really showed me, okay, this is the gift that God has given me, and this is the calling that He has for my life. For our listeners, if you wouldn't mind, uh, define what is a calling. Okay. A calling is uh, like a summons. Like, for example, if you are, I don't want to use the example that comes to my mind, but not so much of a stone, but you know how when you receive um, a summons in the mail to report to jury duty, that means that that's something that you have to you have to come, that you have to come there and that you, um, uh, that you accept that, that you're actually being summoned to come to a certain place. Um, in the, in the sense of a calling, it's similar to that, but it's, it's more of God. It's more of an invitation to a journey to fulfill the purpose that God has specifically for you. And, um, God has given us all a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts. Every believer has at least one. And that gift is used for um, our the, the edification and the building up of his body, the body of Christ, and for the glorification of him. So it's to bring glory to him, and it's also to build up others, to serve others with, the gifts for service. Uh, how can you share the love of God with somebody else through the practical tools of spiritual gifts? And that's what our calling is. It's a specific... Um, Thing that we have been called to do, that each individual believer has been called to do um, and called to fulfill for that purpose, to serve others and to glorify God. Okay, so from what I understand, a calling, because I mean, I, I felt the calling too. Mine was in, in 2006. It was very distinct. I knew exactly what it was that, that God wanted me to do in, in a general sense. I knew that I was called, but how did God mm -hmm. define what your particular purpose was, or, or did he define it to a particular purpose? Well, a lot of times, as, as I can only speak for myself, but the Lord will speak in certain hints, and he doesn't give you the whole picture all at once. And because um, the Christian life is a journey, and it be clarity comes as that journey unfolds, and you, you, as you grow and become wiser, um, that clarity will begin to, as I said, unfold. 
And so he'll show you different things, um, certain parts and portions of your calling. He'll reveal certain things at the beginning. And really it's revealed as you're going about uh, doing it. Um, he'll reveal certain things as we walk in obedience in that which he has revealed. Then that puts us in the position to have him open up more. And then we continue along and then he'll open up more and then we'll continue along and then he'll, he'll reveal more. And it's this path and, and this journey that continues to unfold. So it started off small with different hints for me. Uh, I just knew that I had a desire to teach the scriptures and, and then he does it, you know, as you're obedient just on that, he'll, God will open up the doors um, and opportunities to express that gift and to express that call. And then one thing just leads to another. And as you progress on that journey, it just continues to unfold and, and you become, it, the calling becomes more definite. Absolutely. You, you feel the awareness of God. You, you feel the kind of the, the pull towards one thing or another, you know, for some people, a, a ministry might be to a men's ministry or, or it might be to yeah. a particular type of, of genre, like, uh, you know, even, even the adult ministry or, or the seniors ministry mm-hmm. or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say the calling of God is not just limited to just, you know, the actual professional ministry because all believers are not called to a, to the professional ministry, although we all are called to serve and called to minister, but it may be in a, in a various different capacities. I was, I was, when we're talking about calling, I was thinking about the word vocation. And so when we think about a vocation, sometimes you may look on a form and it'll, it'll ask to list your vocation, what's your, what's, what's your job, what's, what, what do you actually do? Well, the, if you look at it and break down that word vocation, I remember in high school we studied Latin roots, and it really would help you to understand the meaning of certain words. And that word vocation comes from the Latin uh, root vocale, which means to call, like a vocal, like when we have that word vocal. Right. It means to call. And so our vocation is our calling. And so that can be in law enforcement. That can be as an attorney. Um, it, it, it can be in a lot of different areas. What God's calling is, what your vocation is, um, can be, it's whatever he has specifically for you. And then it also, it, it, it's not always limited to just one thing at one particular season, either. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think about Nehemiah when, when we talk about that, you know, with, with the vocation of building the walls and, you know, and, and, and yeah. rebuilding and, and everything. But he, his previous vocation was working for the king. And, you know, right. his request was, you know, I've, I've heard the desolation that's gone on in, in my city. Let me go to the city. And, and he felt called to go and to, to do that. It wasn't a great evangelical service or anything like that he just he knew that he had to go and help rebuild the walls of the city so what are some of the stumbling blocks that you have run into with ministry stumbling blocks um i think the main stumbling block that i've run into in ministry is when you're trying to when you when you when you have a passion to serve people sometimes the passion of the minister is not always the uh, the, see, the passion of those that you're ministering to may not be as great as your passion to minister to them. And what I say is that, you know, we're living in a time now where um, ministry is not as popular as it once was and is not is, is much more difficult now 
as it once was, with so many distractions and so many options that people have, and so many um, societal values changing, and and things are just not the same as they were decades ago. Even in the 90s, when I was growing up, um, people just have a lot more choices, and they're more open to certain choices. And so uh, there's even certain areas where church attendance and becoming a part of a ministry is not a priority in life. It's like, we don't do that on Sunday. And so, you know, it can be very difficult as somebody who's called to professional ministry to engage in a time in ministry where people, not all, but it seems like there's just a spiritual apathy, a spiritual decline, where the spiritual climate is not as high, nowhere near as high as it once was generations ago. And that makes ministry difficult. And um, especially when you are going to compromise and you want to preach the actual truth, because now we live in a time where um, it's all about catering to every whim and desire of the people instead of sharing the truth of God's word. And, um, you know, for fear of they're not going to come to my church anymore if I don't do this or that. And keeping up with it, church has become an enterprise now. It's become a business. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that can be very difficult when you just want, when you want to actually share the true, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. Very, it, the, the receptivity of it is um, it's not as welcoming now as it once was. Right. So do you feel that socially it has, because of the way everything is today with the the, the improvements that we've had within society, the amount of knowledge that we have, that the increase of the amount of knowledge, um, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's given us over to a more narcissistic society where everything is more about our own desires and our, our own wants, as opposed to what really we need. Right. That's right. And, and so with, with that, trying to get around that, how do you even try to overcome that? Well, it's very difficult to overcome. Um, the best way that I can say that I want to do for me is I just continue to just do what God has called me to do. Um, you know, I always know that it's, uh, you, you may not be able to reach the masses. And even in the, it, it, looking at Jesus' example, he wasn't always able to do much with the masses, but he was able to do much with the remnant. And so, you know, there's always a remnant that God has for you. And um, I'm really learning in this particular season of ministry of my life that uh, when it comes to discipleship is that just the significant fruit that was born as a result of Jesus investing in the few. And we're so focused on trying to preach to masses and get crowds instead of investing substance time and relationship and and uh, life transformation in a select small group of people that doesn't actually that that's a greater benefit um than just preaching a sermon to people that you'll never think and i think i think with the pandemic and with the um uh, COVID 19 I think that's really brought us back to that because we've been building churches, bigger churches, bigger this, bigger conferences, and um, it's all about this consumer mentality instead of building relationships or what Jesus has called us to do. 
And I think it's that, you know, the church is being forced to get back to what it was founded upon and what it's meant to be doing, which is making dis- being disciples and, and making disciples. And that's not done in uh, that big consumer um, stadium type of thing. That's all good and well, but who, who is really being impacted? And what actual spiritual investment is going on? So I, I can sit, I, I can I, I focus on that right now is investing in the few who will invest in the many. Absolutely. Because if you if you know if you focus on that, if you try to do it all one time and just one big conference, one big thing, instead of building it through relationships and it starts this um, spread of the gospel through people, that's the way it's supposed to be. That's how the church the early church started, is there was an investment in a few, and then those those few invested in others, and then they invested in others, and they invested in others, and it just continued to grow and develop. And that's how it's supposed to be, but we've gotten away from that. I, I, I fully agree with that. It's With COVID-19, mm-hmm. it has caused us to rethink the way that we are doing church, and uh, there's, a, yeah. there, there's a few guys that I still get together with, and, and we we have some of the most phenomenal talks about the Bible and more in depth than, than you can even get into and say like um, a typical Southern Baptist small group, because with a small group study, the more the people, the more diluted the time is for you to really interact with the scriptures. And so to kind of refocus on that, you can, narrow it down to a select few that you have in your life that you do these, these deep studies or deep dives with that you can pour yourself into because unfortunately, and and tell me if I'm wrong as a, as a former minister, I found that you have too many people to try to pour yourself into and you yourself are diluted. There's the, the, the power of God is amazing. He's, he's wonderful. He's infinite, but unfortunately Ryan green is not. (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. And that's something that every minister has to know and understand that no minister is called to be Superman because God will surely show you that you're not. And, um, you know, that, 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 yeah, that's, that's key there. You have to understand your limitations, you know, and God is the one that has no limits. And, um, you know, that's, that's so freeing to the minister because then he understand or she will understand that, um, you know, I, I can operate in my boundaries and, um, you know, that will, because you know, good, it'll protect yourself because then you know, good to other people and you're losing yourself. Like you said, you know, you're depleted and, and there's nothing on the inside, you know, you can't give what you don't possess. Very true. Very true. So with the minister who is trying to serve to these people, you know, it's a very simple process to find those who God is, is looking for you to pour your life into. It's, it's very simple. It's very easy. It just, it really just takes opening your eyes and see where there's a need and filling it. Mm Mm-hmm. But having to get together with people, especially during this time, with all the technology that we have, Zoom, um, Facebook, uh, Messenger, or, or whatever it is, there's there's ways to connect with these people. And uh, I guess right. one of the things that um, for anybody listening to the podcast is just 
really try to focus. There's, there's so much to technology today that we don't have to lose track of people and we don't have to, you know, lose time with other people. You don't need to devote a ton of time, but you need to devote time to other people. Mm -hmm. Discipleship is, is a huge part of the Christian ministry and we need, especially in this day and age, we absolutely need people who are going to encourage and edify mm-hmm. other people. Yes. So with okay. that, let me ask you, who were some of your encouragers or, or some of the people that are kind of your main influencers today? Well, that's really interesting. Um, I have two uh, friends that the Lord has placed on my heart and, and has, has given to me to be encouraging to me. And, um, also, I have uh, spiritual mentors, many of whom uh, I, 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 they have already gone home to be with the Lord, but their legacy and their encouragement still lives on through their writing. Um, and so, there's a lot of people that I that I that minister to me through what I read because I'm an avid reader, and um, I'm always purchasing something on Kindle or you know Amazon, something like that. Um, and those are those are things that really keep me. Full, uh, personally for myself, and then having a reservoir to also to give to other people as well. So, with uh, with those people that you've got in your life, the the things that you've read, the mm-hmm. things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you: What has God got you doing now? What are some of the things that God has you working on today? Well, what I'm working on now is I've really been studying so much on the nature and also the practicalities of, of uh, discipleship and really focusing on that relational discipleship, how to take theological meat and a robust theology and who Christ is and what he has done for us and how can I build and mold somebody? How, how can I be in, co- in cooperation and co-labor with the Holy Spirit to mold and shape somebody into this, into what I'm reading? Um, and, um, yeah, that's what I'm really focusing on and, and really identifying those key people that the Lord wants to invest, wants to, and desires for me to invest in, um, so that they can invest in others as well. So that key relational discipleship really coming to the heart. I've been reading everything about, you know, things like that to inspire me, not just to fill myself with head knowledge, but for that heart knowledge to really inspire, uh, me to actually see also how the Holy Spirit wants me to take this information and translate it into how he wants me to minister to certain people and uh, those who are willing. Right. So, so mm-hmm. what, what are some of the things that you have learned through this process about discipleship and, you know, uh, what are some of the things about like, what does it mean to get some of that meat? You know, we, we read in the Bible where it says, you know, the, you know, Paul looked at the, the good people of um, Ephesus said, you know, so here we are, we're, we're, we've been going over this over and over and, and you still don't get it. You're still in the, you, you haven't gotten to the meat part. You're still in the milk. Mm-hmm. You're still mm-hmm. like a babe needing this milk. That is the, the very basis of our faith. But how do we get, right. how do we push through, especially in this day and age? And, and this is one of those questions that I've always had because Again, 
as a former minister and pastoring a church where you keep saying the same thing over and over and over again because it feels like you don't have a church who is um, almost feels like they don't desire to get past that stage so that they can get into the meat. If are you, do you believe that it's, it's easier with a, a smaller discipleship circle? And if so, how do you, you know, how do you push through to that? Well, it's easier because you can, you can, um, you can take that time to actually build relationships with people. When it's a mass group, you really don't have the time to be able to do that. Um, and then with a mass group, you know, you always have the, the different personalities, and some people are more committed and open, and some people, because they're larger the group, they can actually kind of just hide in the um, in the background. It's kind of like a person who's in the choir; they really can't sing. But they hide it. They can hide in the choir because they know their voice won't be heard. So it's kind of like that. But when it's a small group, everybody's accountable, and everybody is there, and everybody has some uh, opportunity to share. Um, but really, what it is is getting a small group of people focused on person of Jesus, not discipleship units, not discipleship things, but focusing on that discipleship is a calling. To follow a person, not a doctrine or a um, some type of set of re- regulations. Elements of that are included, of course, but the ultimate heart of discipleship is a believer following Christ. And just as Christ was, so are we to be. Um, as He was the Son of is the Son of God, so we are because of our relationship with Him. We are to be. Uh, and our privilege to be children of God as well. And what does that look like? Following and embarking on the journey of what it means to be a child of God, like the Son of God, and living our lives that way. And, um, you know, it, it, we, we, a, a disciple or a human disciple or a minister um, just really kind of gets the ball rolling. But ultimately what, what keeps people in that journey of discipleship is that personal relationship with Jesus. And uh, I've heard it said that when we can uh, connect people with Jesus, Jesus will be the one to do everything that you know about discipleship. So it's, it's that continuous journey of intimacy with him that we can get every individual uh, who's not only interested but committed to this life uh, to be able to um, connect with and engage in a personal relationship with Jesus and their relationship with him by the Holy Spirit will continue to guide them and develop them and let them know what and, and, and minister to them in ways that we can't. Right. That's actually kind of the heart of this ministry is kind of pushing yeah. the Christians today, this generation, to look at their heart and, and actually look at yeah. the 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 focus of what God has for us as a people because I've asked the question before to to my children and to several other people is what what were we created for? And often I hear, well, that's to to serve God. And I say, no, that's that's it's it's a very important aspect of it. But the truth is, our purpose is to walk with God daily. It's it's a it's He wants that personal relationship on a day to day basis, and not to be focused and hung up on all of the the frivolity of religion, but Mm -hmm. we must understand that our religion and our faith is based on 
the word that God has given us, and that's how we know God more, is by reading, being discipled, fellowshipping, and understanding that God has that purpose in mind to teach us through his Holy Spirit to know him more daily. Mm-hmm. So that's right. let me ask you this. If, if someone is there out there looking to get into ministry or to get into some type of any type of ministry, really, I mean, they, they feel this calling. What should a person do when they believe that they have a calling? Uh, the first thing that a person should do is definitely continue to seek the Lord, uh, but the practical thing would be to connect with their local church. Uh, connect with their local church if they don't already have one. Um, speak to their spiritual leadership. Speak to their pastor, or uh, if they're a young person, even a student pastor, somebody that they're close with in the church, even if, even if it may not necessarily be directly the senior pastor of their church, whoever they may be connected to, who they consider to be... Um, a, a good spiritual guide that they trust. Um, you know, you don't want to you don't want to feel pressure to tell everybody. But different things, I, I would say, somebody that's, that's trusted or confident within their local church, and then as it progresses and grows from there, um, the best way is is to become involved. Um, is to know what specific certain specifics, whatever specifics that you're aware of of um, your particular calling. Uh, finding your local church, how that matches with your calling. If your calling is to teach, as for example, mine is to teach the, is to teach the scriptures, then what I did was I looked for opportunities in my local church where I could do that. And those doors opened. So I've taught youth Bible study and that's called to teach children's church at the time, and I'm in high school. So, you know... You, you find what are the interests and the dreams that God has put on the inside of you that relate to your gift, and what are the best ways that are already available and existent in your local church that you can connect with that will help you. And um, as you serve in those particular areas, no matter how small, despite not small beginnings, God will continue as a result of your faithfulness and obedience to just act upon that which you already know. Uh, and connecting in some way with your local church, he'll begin to open doors for you. So the knowledge of that calling and also mm-hmm. the expression of that calling will expand. And, and that comes with being involved. Uh, I, I guess yeah. the, just taking that first step is the hardest part, is to just right. be the one to raise your hand and say, God's called me to you know mm-hmm. for a purpose. I, I may not right. even know what that is, but I'm here to mm-hmm. serve. And and yeah. then let God kind of define everything from there. Excellent. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you once again for being on the podcast. This is uh, it's been uh, it has been a huge pleasure, and, and I just I continue to pray that God is going to. I, I I know that God is going to use you, but I pray that you have the the strength and the endurance to endure all that God has for you, especially with the years to come. Once everything is opened up with with COVID and we can actually be out and about, and I I, I look forward to doing more ministry with you. And um, yes. thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Don. It's my pleasure to be a part of this.